to Black Chicks Bible Study, where we are reclaiming the Bible one book at a time. We're on episode 28, Hosea, a book about another prophet, another prophet. Hosea, son of Beeri, in the days of Kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah, and in the days of King Jeroboam, son of Joash of Israel. So this is around the time of first and second kings and before the Babylonian exile now. So we're talking about jumping back in time again from what I can understand reading about Hosea a little bit. <laughs> Do you know anything about nope. Hosea? Yeah, I don't know any idea. I don't know. What did you think of the book overall? I thought it was kind of different. I, I don't know. It was shorter, it was simpler, more to the point. We've read a lot of this drama and fire and war from God and threats and promises and all that. But for some reason, I guess we'll talk about it, but stuff about it kind of clicked a little more. Um, Maybe because it was the whole, because it's kind of like just one big metaphor, right? The adulterous. Metaphor, yeah, it really is. You kind of understand a little bit more why God's so angry and jealous because it's like, you stepped out on me. Yeah, it's a very (laughs) personal, like, letter from God almost of, um, infidelity and a return to faithfulness and it's just told in such a concise kind of way Mm -hmm. although toward the end we do get a little like okay we get it um yeah it felt very dissimilar to me it wasn't that different to me than like everything else Mm -hmm. we've been reading about like god i guess it was easier to digest just in the fact that it was you know shorter chapters and you know that kind of thing but it's still was, you know, pretty much the same to me. I thought, you know, like why God was mad. I guess I did appreciate in this sense, it did come off a little bit more of like a court thing. You know, like these, ah, it was laid out, these are your sins. Almost like a deposition. Yeah, <laughs> like you did this. Let's go you over did. it. You felt very much like this is what you're being charged for. Yeah. And this is why I'm angry and this is how you're going to pay for it. If we want to talk about our words of faith from last time, you remember your own? I remember one of yours. One of them was to be less entitled, more grateful, Mm -hmm. comparing circumstances or feeling like, you know, thank God I'm not paralyzed. Thank God I'm not A, B, and C. Oh, yeah, like, let me just not take anything for granted. Yeah, Yeah. the fact that I'm mobile, like, that's a blessing, but, like, we don't think about it like that sometimes because, like, we've always been that way. I would say maybe... Because you know that I'm going to be traveling mm-hmm. for, for a, a lot of bit. this month. Yeah, yeah, and I'm actually really not looking forward to it mm-hmm. because it's not for fun. It's not for vacation. It's mm-hmm. like a work. It's an active service an thing. An active service yeah. thing. So, like, I have kind of been, like, in my head, the closer I get, like, literally, like, dreading, like, even though I'm, like, kind of complaining and dreading it, I'm also trying to get in the mode of being, like, grateful mm. that I can actually even say yes to something like this because like the whole reason that I'm even doing this is because I'm in a position to be able to do it so like I'm trying to think of it yeah so like I've just been trying to think about it like that like I should not take for granted dreading it so much but just also like this is one reason why I enjoy working remote because I do have flexibility to do things that wouldn't be in Mm, other ways freedom yeah freedom in other ways so like if that's part of the reason I appreciate my job then I should also be thankful for that and a way to be thankful for that is to use it for something good you know it's going to be a lot of physical labor so also just you know (sighs) the fact that I am fit enough to like you know do these long days like work a full-time job yeah pack a four-bedroom house on top of it like yeah. that's a, a lot of people can't don't have the don't stamina have, yeah like or the physical you know capability to yeah. do stuff like that so like I've been you know for the past couple of days just trying to think about 
like I know I don't want to do it. Like because if the thing it's itself like, is happening yeah. anyway, you might as well have just a, try to yeah embrace control it your attitude. More. Yeah, exactly. It is so. a big thing, <sighs> and no matter what, it's a big thing for you to commit to and agree to do. So yeah, kudos, <laughs> kudos. You get a gold medal, and like we were talking about, when you get back, you can kick back and tell everyone to f off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for a month. I, I told that not to, demand anything of you. My friend was uh, giving me crap about that too. That she's like, because I told her the same thing. Like, oh, when I get back, then I'm like, don't nobody ask me for shit. She's like, see. That's wrong, though, because you burnt yourself out. Like, you should have said no. Like, you can't do this because then there's going to be someone who really needs help. Yeah, we all have like, to suffer because you did this. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I'm like, oh, God. But you have a right. You don't even need an excuse to F off for a month. That's so true. So you might as well take one that you deserve extra, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of goes into one of mine, I guess. Like, one of them was about enjoying the flexibility of, like, being basically unemployed right now and doing my odd jobs that, like, I survive on and just taking back better control of my schedule and having more plans for my time and mm-hmm. um, more freedom feel more on top of it and I guess one thing we talked about was like I need to take a trip to San Diego because right. I really keep thinking about uh-huh. it for like a year and I haven't gone down there and I did reach out to my friends like hey are you gonna be in town he was like oh my gosh yes I'll be here the whole time and I've you know we've always been friends since grad school I'm True. trying to and it's you know it's something always to follow through fun. on <laughs> yeah And then um, another friend who you've met, we were talking about like vision boards and I have Mm -hmm. stuff on my wall that I feel like is years old Mm -hmm. that are really more collages than anything. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about how she never had a vision board. And so I was like, well, we should make plans and like have her daughter do crafts with us. And then we do these big, you want to come that weekend? Oh yeah, you're going to be here. I know. I'm like, I want to do it, but I won't be here. But anyway, oh, that, um, no, that sounds super fun. But, I'm kind of sad that I'll be missing. I would want to be there. Oh, yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> Cute nails, by um, the way, Lawrence here. Thank with you. These, like, New Year's sparkly. Sparkly nail. Yeah. Disco baby. Yeah, you know, my little <laughs> gel polish habit is still out of control. Um, nice, I like them. Cute. I think we can jump into chapter one of Hosea. All about the Lord just, you know, speaking through mm-hmm. <laughs> Hosea, telling Hosea right off the bat uh, to do this symbolic thing to represent, you know, how unfaithful Israel has been. Mm-hmm. So I find you a promiscuous woman. <laughs> Mine says, the Lord said to Hosea, go, take for yourself a wife of whoredom. Oh, wow. No. <laughs> and have children of whoredom. Wow. This is W-H-O-R-E-D-O-M. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So that mm. was a great kickoff to this book. Damn. More whore talk. Right. Mine yep. says, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. Great. That's a little bit better. With all these prophets who like to, uh, you know, put on a show for the sake of the word that they're getting from the Lord, this one... His particular message is, yeah, go marry a whore. And have kids. That's a little have far, kids. though. Yeah, that's a lot. Just Bringing to show. <laughs> it's this. literally just to show the nation, like, how unfaithful they've been. And um, convenient for Hosea that that's his, like, revelation. Uh, God said I have to go marry a promiscuous woman. And have some babies. Have a I lot mean, of really sex wanna, with her. Yeah, I don't really want to bang this for That's what God, like, told me to do. And everybody's like, okay, go for it. Do so, it. yeah, he does it. Um... They have some babies. God tells him what to name them. Basically, their names mean not pitied, not my people, I'm not yours. Like, they all have meanings that allude to God not caring about the people anymore. And one is named after a town, right? Jezreel. Jezreel. Because apparently the Israelites did something terrible to this town. 
And then God in verse six of chapter one um, is talking about the daughter they had and her the meaning of her name, which is not pitied. Um, her name is Lo Rahama, for I will no longer have pity on the house of Israel or forgive them, but I will have pity on the house of Judah. Because we remember the holier kings were in Judah mm-hmm. and the unholier ones were up in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So God is saying like, you know, He's always been a I'm not going to have any more. Yeah, I'm not going to have any more pity for Israel. In verse 10 already, he's talking about the restoration of Israel. Yet the number of the people of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which can neither be measured nor numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. So he goes from saying, like, I won't pity them to, but eventually I will, and I'm going to restore them. Destruction, redemption. Same cycle. Chapter two, more about Israel's infidelity, more comparing her to a woman. And basically, unless she stops being a little whore, he's going to make Israel like a desert. So there's not going to be anything there. He's going to destroy it. And he basically is kind of saying that Israel was basically looking for other lovers to like feed and take care of her. Uh huh. Like verse five, he says their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. I took this as like he is kind of saying that Israel like got swept up in like these other cities, like, you know, beautiful things and shiny things. And we're like, we're going to go follow and do what you mm-hmm. guys say. My verse three says, uh, I will strip her naked and expose her as in the day she was born and make her like a wilderness and turn her into a parched land and kill her with thirst. So the image of like a naked stripped down woman in the town square or something just starving and thirsting. And um, that's like the level of humiliation and shame that, you know, the land is in for forsaking God. And then verse nine, therefore, I will take back my grain and its time and my wine and its season, and I will take away my wool and my flax which were to cover her nakedness so everything that like hid her shame all of her provisions are taken away um the vines the fig trees she says those are my pay which my lovers have given me this is verse 12 i will make them a forest and the wild animals shall devour them any blessing she got from any other god is gonna be completely destroyed i took it as god was saying like you're attributing all this stuff you have to these other gods, mm-hmm. forgetting that actually everything you have is because of me. I made you. So, like, you think you got it from them. No, like, you got it from me, so that's why I can take this away from you. Like, yeah. I'm going to take all your wine, all your wool, all these blessings that you supposedly got from these other people. Mm-hmm. And, like, verse 13, he's like, I'll punish her for the day she burned incense to ball. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but me, she forgot, declares the Lord. Yep. So, like, it's kind of this idea, like, don't forget where you came from. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I kind of took from this. Like, oh, like now that you have these fancy things and like, you know, jewelry and all this, you think it's because of these new, you know, gods that you've been worshiping and praising. But like, little do you know that like, literally everything you have is because of me. After punishing this wayward woman, after punishing this nation, he's saying, I will punish her for the festival days of the balls when she offered incense to them in verse 13. So then he's saying in verses 14 and 15, I will now allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. From there, I will give her her vineyard. So like he's allowing her to go wayward and then drying up her blessings, but then 
wooing her back mm-hmm. <laughs> once she um he's saying on that day after i woo you back and remind you who i am you're gonna say my husband no longer will you call me my ball this is um verse 16 i was reading this elsewhere while reading about the book too just the idea that they were confusing their own god with ball the foreign god and starting to like interchange the two names and ideas and labels. So he's like specifically saying like, stop calling me the name of this other God. Like, remember I'm your God. I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. Like I'm Yahweh and don't call me by any other name. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you're feeling blessed and satisfied and in worship, like don't yell out his name, yell out my name basically. I'm the one giving this to you. Yeah, you're mine. And it all is a sexual metaphor. It's all very uh, about romance and wooing. And, you know, that is the lifeblood of life. So I don't, I've, while reading this, that's one thing that kind of convicted me a little bit is I tend to get super, it's not that I get offended by anything really, but I get like put off by all the war metaphors and all the misogyny and yeah you only have one lover yeah exactly it's all very in favor of the male pov and the male pov is very possessive and the idea of possessing a land like you do a woman you know i get put off by that language if we're thinking about this as lovers a people yeah it's cool to think about it as lovers and that the guy is still open-minded enough to like woo a woman back after she's had an affair with multiple other men like that's very progressive for this time (laughs) just this idea of god being like but i'll woo you back is um kind of more progressive than i would think that we could expect from this uh ancient god the idea of like if you have a a hang-up or something in your way like a stumbling block i guess you would say Mm -hmm. but you know that this like tradition and this idealism and this faith and hope and faithfulness and loyalty and all these good qualities you know that that's what will help your people succeed but then you really go off into these wayward areas and do bad things like it's okay that they are using this metaphor because what they're saying is essentially valuable of like no let's stay faithful to our tradition Mm -hmm. let's treat people right let's not like you know what i'm trying to say like it's a useful yeah it's like a useful thing for them to put on themselves yeah like even though they're using a really dicey metaphor it's i don't know i don't have as much beef with it i was trying to look at it as like oh they got an addiction or they got hooked on this other culture around them they got swept up in something and now they're recognizing the problem Mm -hmm. (laughs) and being like okay let us get right and stop whoring around. And I shouldn't be thrown by the terminology of, like, mm. whores and nakedness. And I guess, too, the whoring part for me is more <laughs> not even this. Even though they're obviously talking about a woman, you know, compared yeah. to an adulterous woman, like, a lot of time when he's, like, you're whoring around and you're prostituting, like, it's not a, even about a woman. It's just, like, you're running after fancy things. You're running. That's yeah, like, you're it's like adultery. Yeah. And, like, I think later he even says something about, like, you thought that this was going to save you and that, but you're running after the wrong things. You're running after riches and all mm-hmm. these things. But, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're running after material things. They are no match for, like, life and love and everything that the best of God is supposed to represent mm-hmm. and the best of their culture is supposed to represent, like, getting away from that. Um, what about chapter three? I was kind of confused because I didn't know if this was another woman because, again, God's, like, telling him to find an adult. Another woman? woman. <laughs> so is it the same woman? Because the Bible likes to repeat itself a lot, so I'm like, maybe it's just another way of telling the story of how he found Gomer, the original. The original whore. wife, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, but that was weird. 
verse 1 of chapter 3, the Lord said to me again, go love a woman who has a lover. I think this is a side chick. I think he's already married and he's being told to go find another one because doesn't he not have sex with her? The Mm. Lord said to me again, go love a woman who has a lover and is an adulteress, just as the Lord loves the people of Israel. So I guess this guy, uh, Hosea, it sounds like a whole nother woman that he's going after because he says, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and barley and and wine. Hosea said to her, you must remain as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore. You shall not have intercourse with the man, nor I with you. But yeah, the whole point of it is in verse five, afterward, the Israelites shall return and seek the Lord, their God and David, their king. They shall come in awe to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. So the idea that like God is going to be faithful no matter whether you are or not um, should eventually bring you back and... This is why I like this one more than previous ones, because it really hammers in. We've gotten that, like, hope and despair switch off before, where, like, God is like, I'm gonna forgive you, just kidding, I won't, yes, I will. But here it's more like, you've whored around and cheated so much, but I really am gonna forget, like... You do you, and I'll still love you. But that's what life does, (laughs) you know? Like, that's what God does. That's what, um... I guess you do you and I'll still be here at the end of the day. Yeah, like life doesn't care. It does care, but it doesn't. Um, life is indifferent, but life is so good and faithful that if you're faithful to it, it, in theory, I mean, I don't think there's any real justice in the world. And I don't think that there's, you know, an objective thing that cares about us. But it is a great spiritual idea that like that love in your heart is not going to be like, oh, you cheated with money. Mm-hmm. I'm going away. Like mm-hmm. you can still always tap into that. Yeah. You know, you can always turn away from money or um, adultery or whatever that is eating you up and go back to that life source and it's never going to go anywhere. You know, that's true. Very beautiful, beautiful idea. So I just kind of like that that was conveyed here more. You know, the moodiness comes in because they can't help but personify God. Yeah. Anyway. Chapter four. It's a bunch of charges against Israel. They were not faithful, of course. They were cursing and lying and murdering, stealing, committing adultery. I guess I kind of like that part because it's like very specific to like, this is what you guys were doing wrong. So like in Mm -hmm. a way, they're also like setting up their laws that these things are unacceptable behavior yeah and over and over they keep saying like lying murder stealing and also like social injustice taking advantage of people Mm -hmm. having unfair scales like weighing things unfairly trying to cheat people all that stuff that like on such a human level we know intuitively or we know through evolution is like wrong to exploit people that way it's like if this was their standard like don't cheat people don't don't, don't lie, lie. don't murder people. people. Yeah, like, great. Those are great precepts mm-hmm. to live by. I like verse six. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting, too. It's like, he's kind of also saying, like, you know better. Yep, but you're like, not doing but better. You're not doing better. So I thought that was interesting, too. Or you're rejecting He what says you because know. you have rejected yeah, knowledge. You're rejecting it. Like, you yep. know better, but you're consciously that mm-hmm. it's not that you don't know better you know better you're rejecting the truth you're like going away from the truth so that's in itself punishable. willful ignorance mm-hmm. yeah i still think they were probably well-meaning people <laughs> just trying to survive i hesitate to judge their behavior because they were just in such dire you know how i feel about it but um just the idea of like yeah this god is still wanting them to have deeper knowledge it isn't rooted in blind faith Anytime knowledge and reason is brought up, I like that. 
even just if he's talking about knowledge of my law, like that law has been developed over time by these people through trial and error. Because yeah, they arrived at that good stuff that we like of like, don't cheat people, don't murder, don't lie. Right. How we know can... these are wrong. We don't yeah, need to figure this out again. We've already established yeah. we don't like it. And, and you're in denial if you're, mm-hmm. yeah, repeatedly rejecting that. I also like verse 14. I will not punish your daughters when they turn to prostitution, nor your daughters-in-law when they commit adultery, because the men themselves consort with harlots and sacrifice with shrine prostitutes. A people without understanding will come to ruin. Yeah, like you said, a lot of this is, you know, coming from a male perspective, but here it's also like the men don't yeah, get the off. men don't get off like because you're in cahoots like you're whoring because they're allowing you know because yeah. like you wouldn't be a whore if it weren't for these men accepting your advances and this and that kind of thing like, and they're going mm-hmm. aside with whores like mm-hmm. even the committed men even beyond their 15 women He's they're going, going off and like lips. paying prostitutes <laughs> and throwing wine at like cheap women and mm-hmm. all that yeah like they're putting some blame on the men as well mm-hmm. so, yeah, yep that's that good that felt good reading yeah, like, yeah you guys yeah. don't get off like yeah. there's some responsibility for what's happening on their shoulders exactly. as well Exactly. Maybe the women at the time had a little bit of a voice and prompted this revelation a little bit because I just remember them a few books ago being like, do you think we were making those cakes for the Queen of Heaven by ourselves? Like our husbands are right there with us. We know what's going on. Yeah, don't scapegoat us anymore. Yeah. I also liked 18 where he says, uh, he's talking about Ephraim at this point, which another word for Jerusalem. Yeah, Mm -hmm. forever saying, even when their drinks are gone, they continue their prostitution. Their rulers dearly love shameful ways. Mm. So, like, I took that, too, as, like, he's saying, like, even after all the wine and stuff and the partying, like, in your drunken stupor, I can understand maybe you, you know, engaged in these practices. But even after that's gone, you guys <laughs> yeah. still, you know, like, we're doing it's your dirty beyond way. your drinking problem. Yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah. So even yeah. once the fancy stuff and the good wine, you're still doing these yep. things. And so, like. Mine says like, sexual orgies. Really? <laughs> yeah. What? When their drinking is ended, they indulge in sexual orgies. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. In this chapter two, he talks a lot about, like, Jerusalem or Ephraim or whatever was, like, the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. And all of Israel, like, you really get the sense. Like, he calls them out, I feel like, a lot more than They had those evil kings. Places. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were the evil ones. What about chapter five? more things I feel like he bought up yeah and he says while they're out celebrating he's gonna destroy their fields which I liked while they're out celebrating yeah like oh (laughs) it's just like you're so petty like oh you guys go ahead have a good time while you're out here frolicking and have a good time well I would never go out if I got that warning from God I'd just be like okay I guess I'm staying home then (laughs) um but yeah the whole thing is just warnings against Israel I did like uh verses 14 and 15 Mm -hmm. God talking For I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I myself will tear and go away. I will carry off and no one shall rescue. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In their distress, they will beg my favor. I just Mm -hmm. love that imagery of God like throwing a tantrum, putting on a big angry show, going into a corner to hide and waiting for his people to be like, have mercy. And then it's like he also is making a big deal like he needs them to admit their guilt, you know, which is also I think even nowadays, you know, I don't care about an apology if you're not taking responsibility for it. Like, like, 
saying, oh, I'm sorry if you felt, no, like, I need you to say what you, you did was wrong. You need to say wrong. you're ashamed. Yeah, you, should, like, <laughs> you need to tell me you're embarrassed about how you acted. You should not have been so irrational and mean. He literally <laughs> says in their distress, they will beg. He wants them to be distressed <laughs> and begging. Mm-hmm. A huge humility and surrender thing. I'm so ashamed. Like, I'm nothing. The people are prostrate now, and they've completely turned from their ways. It would require a lot of, like, self-reflection to get to that point and beg for God's mercy. After he's put on a big show, too, of being so angry. Chapter 6. He was basically just saying Israel thinks that they can just return to the Lord and he's going to fix everything. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, well, we'll just come back. But he's also like, nah, like... Well, he's asking for them to make it genuine, too. And in verse six, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Mm -hmm. That I loved of like, don't make these. Yeah, don't make these empty sacrifices or like he doesn't want anything empty. Like, don't give me any more sacrifices. Just like love me for real. But then there's the verses two and three talking about returning to the Lord. Um, For it is he who has torn and he will heal us. So in verse two, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. I love that. Just their faith that like this weather won't stay bad forever. There's another side to it. It'll come back, you know, the bright sun of God. But um, that idea of like the two days and on the third day, he will raise us up. Just the idea of like resurrection or being revived on the third day. And Mm -hmm. that's something that will come up again in a time that we, you know, in the future that we have not gotten to yet. (laughs) Chapter seven. Oh, uh, he was basically, God was saying, like, every time he kind of tried to heal Israel, mm-hmm. Jerusalem was like, and Samaria. Like, mm. every time he tried to, like, have a little peace or something, they were still being deceitful and robbing people and committing sins. So it was hard for them, you know, to, like, really. Can't get ahead. Yeah. Yep. Talks a lot about how their, like, terrible ways and stuff were preventing Israel from really coming back to the Lord and that kind of thing. Yeah, in verse 2, he says, They do not consider that I remember all their wickedness. Now their deeds surround them. They are before my face. Even God can't deny the fallout of their bad behavior. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just this karma idea again of like, they are responsible for all the destruction and fallout. God can't look away from it. Like, he, you know, he's saying, They don't know. I remember. Mm-hmm. Verse 10. <laughs> Israel's pride testifies against him, yet they do not return to the Lord their God or seek him for all this. Um, And then verse 14, they do not cry to me from the heart, but they wail upon their beds. They gash themselves for grain and wine. They rebel against me. He also is like suspicious a little bit, God, about why his people would be crying out to him. It's not only from their heart. They are hungry and they need their wine. and. When you're at that point of desperation, you know, how can you trust? (laughs) You're just gashing yourself, rolling around in bed. You're like, where's my bread and wine? When people are that desperate and like that low, God is kind of being like, you know, how can I even know that your motives? He's doubting their motives, Mm -hmm. which is tough because like, yeah, these people are not being provided for because of their own adultery. But now they're so desperate. That when they're coming back to you, how do you know that they're not just coming back for their way of life to be restored? Like, you're promising all the milk and honey, so so God is, like, 
concerned about is this really in your heart or you just need me right now yeah (laughs) chapter eight he talked a lot about samira and samaria samaria using Mm -hmm. the calf idol and he hates that calf idol and Oh, I was going to say, like, verse 4, where they say, They set up kings without my consent. They chose princes without my approval. With their silver and gold, they make idols for themselves to their own destruction. Mm. And I thought that was interesting, too, because it was like, yeah, when we were reading the old chapters, it was always, like, God being like, this is who's going to rule, or this is going to be the king, this son is going to be, you know, taking over. But, like, now he's saying, like, you guys are putting leaders in positions without consulting me and these people are like wicked and it just kind of reminded me of like that whole idea that, but that like divine like right to rule like each mm. leader has you know mm-hmm. it's like their calling mm-hmm. yep because yeah. when people left to their own devices they pick the wrong people you might not have that objective spiritual reason for appointing them so you're completely blind and picking the wrong people i liked verse 12 talking about israel ephraim um, though I write for him the multitude of my instructions, they are regarded as a strange thing. Maybe these people are so far removed through generations or in their hearts or both from God's like heart and instructions that it's just like, oh, a curiosity. Like, oh, look at these tablets. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, God's advice. It just, they're weighing it against everything else, like all the other static culturally and, you know, spiritually around them. Sit with their spirit. And yeah. Like, oh, I'm reading it. That's just true. Just another artifact, mm-hmm. another little curiosity. God is saying, though they offer, in verse 13, though they offer choice sacrifices, though they eat flesh, the Lord does not accept them. Just this constant call for authenticity. Anything mm-hmm. you're not doing from your heart, I you know, he's going to see it right. Yeah, he's going to see right through it. Um, Chapter nine. I like verse two where he says, brushing floors and wine presses will not feed the people. The new wine will fail them. To me, he is saying like, again, you guys have been chasing this grain and the wine and the food and the this and the that and the fun and the whores, but that Uh is not real food. Like, you got to feed your soul. Like, these things aren't going to, you know, sustain you. You know, you're chasing after the wrong thing, basically. That's how I took that. And he kind of goes on to say, like, they're going to be stuck eating these unclean foods. Mm -hmm. I had verse 7. The days of punishment are coming. The days of reckoning are at hand. Let Israel know this, because your sins are so many and your hostility so great, the prophet is considered a fool, the inspired person a maniac. Ooh. Mine says, the prophet is a fool, the man of the spirit is mad. Mm. Yeah, like mad, like crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I took it like they're saying that these people are so far removed from, like, God and what it means to be holy and stuff that, like, they're looking at the holy people as if they're the crazy ones. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like if you're walking, it would be like us walking downtown and seeing someone ratting on the exactly. corner. And we're like, you're a lunatic, but really they are the ones that are Literally like, all they're saying is, can we have affordable housing? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> can we be not, can no. we not starve each other anymore? Look like, at this literally. Guy. He's crazy. <laughs> Psycho, across the street. <laughs> Chapter 10? I had um, four highlighted because there was, again, like, more, I guess, charges being brought against Israel. He's like, you know, they make many promises, take false oaths, and make agreements. Therefore, lawsuits spring up like poisonous weeds in a plowed field. Kind of what I was saying before, I felt like this was a lot of 
like a judgment or court, you know, like these are the charges brought against you. Like here yeah. specifically, it's almost as if you get this idea they're making, you know, allies with people or saying they're going to do X, Y, Z and then falling back on their promises. Yeah. Like they're not upholding their ends. It's kind of like politics, you know, like you guys are promising. Not keeping your deal. Yeah, you're not keeping your end of the bargain. So, you know, you're... Mine literally says, um, so litigation springs up like poisonous mm-hmm. weeds. So like actual litigation, like yeah, people are litigious and suing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like you said, you were going to give me five promises and you did not. <laughs> I delivered my end. I liked verse 12. So for yourselves, righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. You know, I really value the word righteousness and the concept of it. There's going to be an ongoing battle in my life to not be self-righteous, but I feel like the um, external idea of righteousness is so helpful for me because growing up with a faith and belief in this particular definition of God has been a huge hindrance and not a great thing. And now reading this stuff, it can be easy to like kind of confirm that. Or, but the idea of righteousness is almost like I can use that word as like a stand-in for what I'm really after. (laughs) It's like a more practical, applicable idea in your daily life is to like be after righteousness, like the righteous thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Less weighted as a word than the word God, you know? Like, what does it mean to be godly? I don't know, but what it but means I know to be I'm righteous. But I know do the right stuff. Yeah, do the I'm right thing. Do. Yeah. So that kind of command, like, sow that for yourself. Sow righteousness and reap love. Like, if you're planting righteousness, like, reaping steadfast love and then being able to give that to the God force and getting it back, I don't know, yeah, you know. I can sow those seeds. Yeah. Chapter 11. God says he loved baby Israel. Aw. But now... They ain't babies anymore. Uh, They're wayward, harlot, teenager, young adults. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like this because we kind of get away from the idea about, you know, the adulterous wife. And it's more now that they're the children and they're just, you know... Rebellious. Rebellious kids. against their dad. Like, I did everything for you. I bought you up. Like, obviously, I love you. I wanted you to be, you know, the best kids you could be. The more I tried to help you, it's like the further away you strayed. <laughs> yep. Because they get so high on their hog when you're full and satisfied. You're like, thanks, Lord. I'm going to go cavort with these other gods, too. I'm feeling great. Mm -hmm. And then once they're desperate and low, um, God, where are you? Pretty much. Um, In verse 7, like you just said, God, where are you? He's like, my people are determined to turn from me. Even though they call me God most high, I will by no means exalt them. Mm. So, like, you know, like, God, you know, like, the calling, even though they're still calling my name, like, their hearts are still perverted with their evil ways. So it's like. You know, I'm not going to just come running after you. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked verse four. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. Sounds like a politician. It sure does. Kissing babies. Kissing babies. But we know with God it's more sincere because those are his babies. Um, I like the phrasing of I led them with cords of human kindness, mm-hmm. with bands of love like the idea of god's love coming through other humans maybe and like that cord of like humanity being kind to each other when they're at odds or suing each other or lying or cheating like that is broken right. you know like they're not able to see god in others or in their community because they're have being that wrong connection yeah they're anymore it's broken exactly and like in previous episode where we talked about um 
building harmony instead of negativity between friends or like spreading harmful gossip and mm-hmm. that was the thing that was like frowned upon so right. that you know makes me think of like how important it is in community to treat people well and be a representative of god or righteousness true the other thing in this chapter though this is where i thought like god did his little bipolar thing mm-hmm. you know after he's like even though you call me most high i will by no means exalt them mm-hmm. but then the very next verse he's like how can i give you up Ephraim? how can i hand you over mm-hmm. israel how can i treat you like adma how can i make you like Zeboyim, my heart is changed within me, all my compassion is aroused. Yep. And then he's like, I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again, for I am God and not a man, the only holy one among you. I will not yeah. come against their cities. He's like, wait, what? Human beings are writing this. It's like you're saying, you know, God loves us and forgives us, but we're being really fake right now, so obviously he can't love that, but it's God, so he still has to. He's better than us. He's like, wait, 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 it's God. No, he can't be this petty. It's like a a correcting thing. Like, it's so funny, this back and forth. It's so, like, human inspired, yeah. I guess that's why, yeah, no, they literally make a distinction, like, I am God and not a man. Wait, wait, wait. Right, right, right. I'm God. I'm not human. Yeah, so. <laughs> all of this is what I want to do because that's what man would want to do. But I'm not man, yeah. so yeah, I'm better than man, so I have to do yeah something else. Yes, I'm still. I'm never gonna get over it. Just that they even had a concept of this in the story of human evolution. That they even had this concept of the higher self, like mm-hmm. something so much higher than all of our petty shit. Mm-hmm. That pretty amazing (laughs) and i don't expect him to stay stable and predictable the whole time because like Mm -hmm. how young was humanity at this point you Mm -hmm. know you know you know imagine too they are literally starving and dying (laughs) like they can't have a stable mood day to day like they're on the edge of existence you know and mental instability mental exactly like i'm surprised god isn't more bipolar considering (laughs) how bipolar they must have felt Mm-hmm. Like you get a piece of bread one day, you're on cloud nine. The next day, you're eating your baby, and you're like, mm-hmm. "Damn, what is this going? <laughs> I don't know." What to do here. But the guy that you're writing about, you know, has got to be a little more stable at least. Chapter twelve, two. The Lord has an indictment against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. Uh, I liked verse ten. I spoke to the prophets. It was I who multiplied visions, and through the prophets, I will bring destruction. Mm. Yep, mm. all those like Daniel, Jeremiah, these people kind of warning of destruction. You know, God mm. is helping that process of like, I'm going to make some people the messenger that you're going to hate. And that's just what's happening. You're not going to like your prophets anymore if they have bad news to bring. I like the end too, where he's like, Lord used the prophet to bring Israel up from Egypt, but a prophet, by a prophet, he cared for him. But Ephraim was aroused to his bitter anger. His Lord will leave on him the guilt of his bloodshed and will repay him for his contempt. So again, I don't know, I just felt like this whole chapter and verse, like he's really just coming down on like all the bad things and all the bloodshed and all the murders. All, like they really fall in the hands of Jerusalem or Ephraim and you know, they were the worst of the worst, basically. Like, Mm. you know, like, all this stuff that's happening, you really get a sense that, like, he's blaming them for, you know, the way things are right now. Like, even though all of this, you know, bad things are happening to all of Israel, it's really this specific place that was... Section of it. They were the bad apple. Yeah, you were so horrible. They (laughs) rotted the whole bunch. Mm -hmm. Chapter 13. More about the relentless judgment on Israel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Apparently they sent in more and more and more. Um, they offered human sacrifices and kissed calf idols. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, 
verse two ends with people are kissing cows <laughs> exclamation point like that offended him the most Woo! they're kissing the cows out there what about me they're kissing yeah. cows um they're supposed to burn them alive not kiss them but then verse six really hammers in the idea of being satiated and spoiled and going away when i fed them they were satisfied they were satisfied and their heart was proud therefore they forgot me yep yep easy to forget when you're in a good place where you came from yeah you got there you think it's all on you like i'm doing well i'm eating honey. and i don't need anything right now so why hit up the big man for anything and then i like verse nine because he's like you are destroyed israel because you are against me against your helper where's your king that he may save you where are your rulers in all your towns of whom you said give me a king and princes so like kind of taunting them too, like you guys don't need me anymore mm-hmm. because you guys have your kings and rulers that are feeding you. Where are you they? Where are they at though? You. Yeah, bring them out. Bring them out. Bring them out. <laughs> like come on now. I do like the idea of this god or their knowledge of God being so much more faithful than any other king or um god. Mm-hmm. But if they were living in those lands, being faithful to those gods, maybe those are just as faithful to those, you know, their people. Who knows? But um, I just like, I like all this competition. (laughs) Um, Verse 16, Samaria shall bear her guilt because she has rebelled against her god. They shall fall by the sword. Their little ones (laughs) shall be dashed in pieces and their pregnant women ripped open. Great. Really? That's great. Yeah, I doubt the pregnant women were doing the most harm. But, you know, there they we were. go. They're That's the why they're out. pregnant, because they're oh, yeah. born. <laughs> pregnant with other, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> other king's babies. Um, chapter 14, the final chapter. Israel, a plea for repentance. Pleading like, to Israel to repent to God, basically. He basically literally just tells them what to say. He's like, if you want to be saved, say this. And he basically, he's I like, need to hear this from you. Yeah, he's like, take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him. Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods world, to what our <laughs> own hands have made. For in you, the fatherless find compassion. He needs them to admit, like, we're not going to get saved by these allies we've had and these other towns. It's only this one God that's been with us this whole time. Yeah, you us. can't come back and just be like, sorry, I cheated. I'm back. You, you have were, to be like, you were the only one. You were the, the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. And then in verse four and five, I will heal their disloyalty. I will love them freely for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall strike root like the forest of Lebanon. Just the promise of like how God is going to come back and be nice again. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 8 and 9, O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. Your faithfulness comes from me. Those who are wise understand these things. Those who are discerning know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. I love that. Again, whenever it's put on the people to have that spiritual third eye or wisdom about Mm -hmm. the wrongness of their ways, it's almost like if you have ears to hear, If you have eyes to see, I'm going to be here. I'm like evergreen and I'm just going to be here. And you can choose Mm -hmm. whether to be in the right or the wrong, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to be here. Like, I just love that. Like, and if you're confused, then that's on you. I've given you everything. So your choice. Mm -hmm. I'm going to love you. I'm going to restore you. And again, 
very radical, I would imagine. You know, for these men in these days, I'm sure it wasn't common for them to tell their wayward women, come oh, I'm going to always yeah, be here. Come back. Just come back and beg, and I'll be here. I'll take care of you. Like, we end on a high note. We do. And on that note, what do you get take from away this from whole it? book of horn? You know what? More faith. More horn? Oh, I thought you were going to say more horn. Faith and surrender. Being more aware of my hangups. And what is keeping me from love and faith in life and the goodness of life, um, I will take that uh, faith is such an integral part of it. And just remembering that life, all the good things and all the love and light, is like the sun isn't going to burn up tomorrow. God forbid it does. Um, so I have to have faith in life getting better and me finding true love and all this stuff that I want. Um, I just have to surrender to the process and still have faith in life itself and it requires a lot of like self-awareness and surrender how do I make it concrete how do I have more faith and more surrender it's gonna require a lot more reflection and being more intentional yeah I don't know we'll see what that looks like I it's hard for me to think of a concrete thing but I do need more faith and more surrender more faith and more surrender yes what about you um I feel like I've said this before in another podcast but kind of the idea of never forgetting where you come from and i hate to repeat it but that was hey some things are worth repeating uh, it's the thing that stuck out the most to me reading this you know while i have come a long way and i feel like i haven't come like to a point where i would be like i'm not in holly you know like i'm not that far removed from my circumstances that i'm like would act like oh just get a job or just do this it's so easy pull yourself up by the Mm -hmm. bootstraps because like i know that's just not how it works it, it every works. time, yes. But at the same time, it's also like, you know, I don't ever want to get to a point where I'm like, so like, just, I guess, less understanding and so harsh because of where I'm at, just because I'm there. I've been comfortable for a long time. Mm. Like, I don't want to think that it was easy. Or if I've yeah. been, you know, if I get to a place where I'm good and I'm comfortable, you know, and I'm stable for like a couple years, I don't want that to negate everything that happened before that and for me to think that like oh like this is just how life was or this is just how things are like no like you've been good for a while now but don't forget all that other shit and how long it took you you know to get here so like you know just keeping that in mind and just I guess really appreciating it reflecting and reflecting and remembering how I got there and knowing that I didn't always live in this deluxe apartment in the sky you (laughs) Uh know like that wasn't how I you know never forgetting that and just staying true to what a fight it was yeah and do you feel like you credit a particular is it like you credit yourself and you credit God or you credit like is there anything that you feel like you have to give thanks to Mm -hmm. yeah for sure like I always have to give thanks to God and myself Mm -hmm. you know like you know both yes so there's like a worshipful component to it Mm -hmm. like yeah I might have worked hard for certain things but I also you know sometimes circumstances just lined up where I was or I should have died because I'm done yeah put myself in a situation oh yeah I should not even be here so don't forget that you know like and I don't feel any more deserving of it than anyone else who ever lived, but you mm-hmm. can still appreciate, you know, the work you put into it and the work God, life put into it to get you to this point, even if you don't feel like it was personal. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still, like, worship appreciate that. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> so next book we have is Joel. Um, so, yeah, we'll get into it. Come back in two Sabbaths. Find us on um, Instagram, etc. at bcbspodcast, bcbiblestudy.com. We'll be back in two Sundays with Black Chicks Bible Study. <laughs>